Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be in the house of God as it always is. And uh, just like always, the enemy is fighting. He's always trying to thwart and subvert God's will from being accomplished, but I'm not going to let him win today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 1, and we'll be reading verses 5 through 8. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And uh, the message I have today, I think, is one that is very pertinent, considering the day and age that we're living in, and that there is so much fluidity in regards to our stance and position to the integrity of God's Word. And what I'd like to help you out today in this message is to help solidify your persuasiveness in truly trusting and believing in God's Word. If you have James chapter 1 verse 5, say amen. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And this is the verse I want to focus on, verse 8. I'll be taking the title of my message. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Today I want to preach a message simply entitled, Make Up Your Mind. Make up your mind. And we're going to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to help us, uh, help me in delivering this word. I believe that the Lord can really change someone's life. If we would just make a solemn pledge to fully commit ourselves to Christ, that God can do the impossible. The Bible says, I believe it's in Matthew 19, 26, that with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In Mark 9, 23, it says, If thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth. We just need to have faith and commit ourselves, commit our trust fully into God's hands. And that's exactly what I want to do with this message, is to put this in God's hands. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your exceeding great and precious promises, O God, found upon your word, in your word. And Lord, we just pray, Lord Jesus, that even, O God, as you were made flesh, O God, that your word would be made flesh in this message, that your word would become a reality to someone within the sound of my hearing, that someone would fully commit themselves unto Christ, fully be persuaded in their mind to trust in you and to believe in you. And I pray in the name of Jesus, let your spirit move across this congregation. Touch our ears, oh God, that we'd be able to hear and we'd be able to apply that which is written in your word. Have your way in this place. We thank you and bless you. And in Jesus' name, let the church the living God say amen. amen. You may be seated. To understand what James is saying in this text, there are three questions that I wish to answer. Number one, what does it mean to have a double mind. Second, what is the cause of a double mind? And thirdly, why does double-mindedness cause instability? Why is it that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways? Let's deal with the first question, which is, what does it mean to have a doubled mind? The word that we see here when it talks about in verse number six of James chapter one, uh, where it says wavering, where it says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, is the Greek word diakrino. It literally means to doubt, to hesitate, to judge, to contend, to waver, to vacillate, to vary, to not necessarily be solid in one's position. 
to be analyzing uh, the situation, not really sure as to which position or which direction to take. The word double-minded is the Greek word dispuskos, which means double-minded, wavering, uncertain, doubting, having, now listen to this, having a divided interest, having two minds. It literally means to have two minds or having two souls. Having a divided loyalty, which is manifest by indecision and doubting. Whenever someone has a doubled mind, they are gripped by the power of indecision, of indecisiveness. And this occurs because that they have a duality in their loyalties. They have a duality in their loyalties or their commitments to two opposing sides. And they are attempting to try to satisfy both. And because of this, they vary, they vacillate, they shake, and they, they, they shudder in different circumstances. And because of the environment that they're in, sometimes their passions or one particular desire may enable them or, or inspire them to behave one way, while in another sort of set of circumstances, they behave another way. So to be double-minded is to be doubtful, to be indecisive, and to be compelled between two loyalties, two opposing sides. Number two, the second question I want to answer is what in the world would cause a person to have a double mind? Now, something I want you to understand is that our decisions or position on any given subject is derived by what or who we listen to. Everything that you know, everything that you've learned came by listening to some source of information. That information may have come via an authoritative figure like a parent or a teacher. It may have come from some uh, less scrupulable, reputable sources such as the internet where there's all sorts of fake news. It may have come from the opinion of a relative or a friend or a close relationship. Or maybe it's come from some sort of experience. But for the most part, it comes through you hearing something. Our all opinion is formulated based on the information that a person receives or what they hear. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10 verse 14 where the Apostle Paul, he delineates along these lines regarding to our hearing and our, how it shapes our opinions, our perceptions, and our beliefs. Romans 10 verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That in order for you to have a believing, saving faith in Christ, there has to come a man or woman of God coming to tell you about this Christ, this Savior that died on a tree for all of humanity. And through the hearing of that message, of the gospel message, the good news that Jesus Christ died for sinners, that faith is, is germinated, it is inspired, it is created, and then creates a relationship a doorway, a gateway, a bridge between God and man for God's grace to be administrated to ourselves. We see in verse 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Esaias or Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. I want you to analyze your opinions or your positions on any given subject. And understand that you arrive at those conclusions because of something that you have heard. I don't know what your source of information might have, might have been. But your faith or your trust in anything or your opinion or conclusion on any given subject came through something that you heard. The words heard are internalized and turned into thoughts, which then are turned into opinions and our beliefs. This is why the scripture 
admonishes us and warns us to be careful to what we listen to and how we listen to it. Not just what we're listening to, but also how we're listening to something. Because sometimes you're listening to something that is good, but because you're not truly paying attention or because of your own presuppositions or preconceptions, you interpret the information that's delivered unto you in a way that misconstrues the intention of what the person was trying to say. Now, I'm a parent of five children. And I tell my kids all sorts of instructions and they hear part of what I'm saying. Or they don't hear anything at all. It's really interesting because I'll be talking to my children, particularly my son Jason. I'll be talking to him. He won't hear a word I'm saying. He's watching television or playing a video game or into whatever he's doing. But the moment if I try to have a private conversation with my wife, what what do you say about that? His ears just become alert. I found that the best way to get his attention is not to talk to him, but to talk about him. This is just me venting. But. He's a great kid. He's awesome. He's great. He really is. But sometimes, we do that all the time. We don't hear until we really think it's something concerning us. Or we think we're going to get in trouble. Right? Or that we're listening to something. Someone said something to us. And we interpret that information based upon whatever we were thinking at the time and didn't hear all. Now, okay, I'm guilty of this too. My wife tells me all sorts of things. And I, I will attest to say, you never said that. Which is, no, I did say that. I only heard half of what she said. And I totally messed up something, messed up the laundry or messed up whatever, instru- messing up the dinner or whatever she told me to do. Because I'm, I'm, I'm busy, I'm thinking on something, I'm not really listening. I'm kind of half listening. And the Bible admonishes us not only to listen but also how we're supposed to listen. Mark chapter 4 verse 23 says, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed or pay attention what ye hear, what you are listening to. Because those things, whether you realize it or not, subconsciously, those ideas, those concepts, those philosophies can be internalized and even affect how you think. This is what they did during the 70s with backmasking. They used to put sub, uh, subliminal messagings in, 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 in songs. And even though on the conscious level you didn't hear the message, they were able to communicate a thought and subconsciously you start doing things and thinking things that you had no idea that you were doing. You ever been in, the, in a shopping in like Walmart or something and there's a song playing on it and you start singing the song you don't even realize it? It's catchy. Especially kids' songs. I've been trying to get Baby Shark out of my head for like the last five years. Venting again. But anyway, programming, how we're listening. He says, take heed what you hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. He says, look, the way that you listen, if you're a good listener to what God is saying, God says, I'll give you more information. I'll trust you with more, a blessing. But if you don't listen very well, then what you think you know, you're going to lose. Because I've done that. By me thinking I knew and understood what my wife said, I lost and messed everything up and made things worse. And in the same sense, you may think that you've heard God or you may think that you know something about the situation, but have you really been listening to what God is saying? Luke chapter 8 verse 18 says, Take heed therefore not just what you hear, but how ye hear. For whatsoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. 
So your opinions that you have, your, your views of politics, your views of music or whatever, or your favorite uh, superhero, or your opinion on any particular social ill of the day is formulated primarily by some source of information that's telling you something, what you listened to or what you thought that you heard. It is from our hearing that our beliefs are, and are created, which then dictates our decisions and our actions. Therefore, the cause of a doubled mind is, is, is the result of hearing or listening to conflicting or opposing ideas. So the reason why we have people that are double-minded is because they have two sources of information that are completely opposite of each other, and the person is trying to satisfy both or reconcile both. Now, I want to really try to illustrate this idea of double-mindedness by using a physical uh, analogy. The third question I want to answer is this. Why does double-mindedness cause instability? So I want to just talk about this instability thing by just looking at the human body. How is it that our bodies are able to have a sense of balance? There are three sources from which your brain gets information in order to basically orient itself or balance itself. Why it's not? Why I'm not falling off the stage or lying on the floor. There are three sources of information that your body uses to basically formulate a sense of balance. The first is your muscular and skeletal systems. Your body is looking uh, through the nerve endings on your feet and your skeleton and is getting information as far as your, your orientation to the world. That's number one. Number two is your visual system. That it's looking around and seeing how things are right set up or things are to the left or to the right. And based upon what you're seeing, it will also orient its, its position to derive balance. But the third thing, which is the thing that most people don't realize, and actually it's probably the strongest sense, is your ears. Your sense of balance comes from your inner ear. In the inner ear, it's a major sensory input to the brain about where we are on earth and where, whether we're moving or not moving. It's responsible for our balance, for spatial orientation, and also for our sense of motion. So there are inside of your ear, what's called, there's, the ear is made up of three different components. You're going to get a little bit of a anatomy lesson here. But you, you have your outer ear. That's the part that you see. And that, that's this part here. It's basically like a big satellite dish. It's capturing sound. And you have the ear canal. That then goes to your eardrum. Behind the eardrum is what's called the middle ear, where there's a, kind of a, a hammering system that where those vibrations hit the eardrum, it causes the hammer and the anvil to move, and it begins pounding and sending signals to what's called the inner ear or the vestibular uh, system. In this system, there is what's called the saccule and the utricle. And this is part of the system that's responsible for vertical orientation. It's, it basically helps you to sense that you're upright, what's vertical. But then what's something very interesting is that there are these three tubes in your inner ear called, they're called semicircular canals. And this detects rotational movement. And it's made up of these three semicircular tubes which are filled with a fluid called endolymphs and tiny hairs. And these hairs detect motion or are positioned based upon the movement of that fluid through the tubes. So these systems, they, they work together to basically form our sense of balance. So the thing that's interesting is, so you have this fluid that's in your ear, and you have all these hairs that are in there. So every time you're moving your head to the left or moving up and down, that fluid is moving through the canal, and the hair, based upon which way it's being pushed by the fluid, is able to determine the direction and the orientation of your entire body. So these systems send signals through the vestibular nerve to the brain, where they are interpreted to help form our sense of balance and orientation. However, this sense can conflict with our other senses, causing balance issues 
or dizziness. Now I'll just use a, a, a common example. And I'm going somewhere this. A common example of this conflict of information, which a lot of people experience, is something called motion sickness. Anyone ever experienced that before? Motion sickness. So you, you get in a car or you're on a bus or on a plane, you start driving, also you start feeling like you're going to throw up and you, you're feeling dizzy and like everything's spinning around. Why is that? Well, this happens because of a conflict of sensory information. What happens is you're sitting in the car. Your eyes are telling you you're stationary because the seat isn't moving, right? Or let's say you're looking at a book or you're looking at your cell phone. And your cell phone is not moving. But your inner ear, which has all that fluid, it can, it's moving around because of the acceleration that you're experiencing in the car. So your ear is telling you you're moving, but your eyes are telling you you're not moving. And because of that, it causes a, a fight, a conflict between the senses, and your brain doesn't know what to do with it. So it starts feeling dizzy. And then it starts feeling nauseous. Now, why the nauseousness? Why am I puking because of this conflict? Well, because scientists aren't entirely sure as to why this happens. But they have a theory. They believe that um, your brain thinks it's being poisoned. Because these two senses are fighting against each other. It's thinking, I've ingested something that's messing me up. So it tries to get rid of everything that's in the, in the body because it thinks it's being poisoned. So you start vomiting up and throwing up because your body is trying to get rid of a poison that doesn't exist. What you really have a problem is, is a conflict between your senses. Your eyes say you're not moving when you really are. Or the opposite. Maybe you've been in like an IMAX theater and you've got that giant jumbo screen and the camera pans really fast. So now your eyes are saying that you're moving because you're seeing this, this visual movement, but your inner ear, which senses true motion, says you're sitting still. And it causes, again, a sensory conflict, which then makes you feel like you're motion sick. Now this disconnect, this conflict of information is also true spiritually. There are times when our inner ear, our spirit, our faith sense is conflicting with what we are seeing with our eyes. You have prayed about something, you have declared God's word about something, and it seems like nothing is happening in the situation. But down deep, if you know the word of God and you know it down in your spirit, your spirit says that God hears and he answers prayer and things are changing. But because there's this conflict that's going on, your eyes are telling you nothing's happening, you prayed about the situation, but everything is still a hot mess. You prayed for healing, but there's still sick. You prayed for the job, but nothing seems to be. You don't see anything. But the word of God, your spirit is telling you, no, you are moving in the right direction. Our eyes are telling us that we are not moving forward. And that's why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and inward witness instead of our sight. Because these two things can conflict with each other. And you cannot trust always what you are seeing with your eyes. You must trust what is in the word of God. Your faith, your inner sense, your inner sense of what is real, of what is true, comes by hearing. And the thing is, you keep hearing things that are contrary to God's word. And so there's a conflict that's going on. The Bible says in Galatians 5.16, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that they can not, so that you cannot do the things that she would. You know you're supposed to be walking holy. You know you're supposed to be walking righteously. But everything you see is telling you not to walk righteously. Everything you're putting before your eyes is saying, I want this thing. I, I want to satisfy my flesh. And there's a conflict that is there. The conflict in senses, as I said, it causes a nauseousness. A nauseousness because of these conflicting signals. And again, because your brain thinks it's being poisoned by something. It thinks it's being poisoned by something. And spiritually, we do the exact same thing. We have two conflicting belief systems that are making us lose our balance. And instead of making a decision about trusting God to follow Christ... We try to fix it by regurgitating everything we've been through. I'm going to repeat that one again. Not sure if you caught that. You have two conflicting belief systems. You're varying and vacillating on whether God is real or not, whether I should obey his word or not. And so your body, you think I've been poisoned by something in my past, something that's happened before. And you're trying, you just start regurgitating, well, I'm this way because of this happened to me or because of this tragedy or because this person left me or this person betrayed me. And you start regurgitating all the nasty and the vitriol and vileness in your spirit, thinking that will get rid of the problem when what you really need to do is just simply make a decision to follow Jesus forgetting those things which are behind and present reason those things which are before me I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 17 that therefore if any man be in Christ he's a new creature old things have passed away build all things that become new no the way you fix the problem is not regurgitating all of your past mistakes all of your past traumas all of your disappointments and all of your hurts the way that you beat this thing is by putting on the new man and recognizing the moving forward and making a decision regardless of what I've been through regardless of what hell has come my way I have decided that I'm going to follow Jesus. I've got a made up mind to do Jesus and nothing else. And when you orient yourself towards Christ, that is when you get your balance back and you get your stability back. Hebrews 10 verse 35 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which have great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, if anyone's vacillating and backsliding and varying and, and playing hokey pokey with God, putting your right foot into the church and sliding back out, and putting your right foot back in the church and shaking it all about, and doing the hokey pokey and turning yourself around. No, my friend. And that's not what it's all about. Jesus is looking for someone to make a commitment to him, to put their whole self into him and staying there. I'm standing on the rock, which is Christ. Because of this unresolved contradiction of senses, we don't receive the things that we're praying for. You're varying and vacillating. You're putting more trust in what you see with your natural eyes than what is written in the Word of God. And because of that, you do not receive the promises that have been afforded to you by the Word of God. You don't receive the blessing, the healing, the deliverance that you're seeking and looking for, fasting for, searching for, diligently inquiring for, because you do not endure unto the end. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season 
we shall reap if we faint not. If we stay with Jesus and hold on to his unchanging hand, we will receive the promise of what God has said in his word. My main text says in James chapter 1 verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, no doubting, no hesitation, no resistance to what God has said in his word, no questioning. I'm going to trust what he has said. Every good word that the Lord has spoken has surely come to pass, that heaven and earth may pass away, but my my word shall never pass away. He said, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. You ride the wave of one revival only to fall into the valley of depression by the next day when you're greeted with unpaid bills and greeted with problems and heartache. You've got to have a stability in Christ. You've got to have a stability in Christ alone. He says, for let not that man, verse 7, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So, we must decide as to how to revolve, resolve this contradiction. How do we deal with motion sickness? Let's talk about this from a natural standpoint. You can take medications and other things. There are three things that you can do, just three basins. There's, there's more than three, but I'm just, for the sake of this message, I'm going to try and keep it simple. One of the first things you can do, you're in the car, and you start feeling sick, start feeling nauseous, and like the room is spinning, you're feeling dizzy. What uh, doctors say to do, the first thing is, look straight ahead at a fixed point, such as the horizon or an object in the distance. We need something to look at as a point of reference to get back stability. Because the thing is this. Things that are close by you are stable. Right? Or they're, I should say they're stationary. And they're giving you the illusion that you're not moving. But when you look off to the distance, you get a bigger picture. And you see something distance to focus on to maintain your balance and your stability. And the thing is this. One of the problems that we have is that we're looking at the current problem that's right in our face. We're looking at things that seem like they're not moving or they're not changing. And it's conflicting with God's word. And we're having this motion sickness. But what we need to do is take, off the, take our eyes off of the things that are right in front of us and look at something that's in the future. Look at something that does not change. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That we've got to put our eyes on the on the end outcome of what God is going to bring us through. We've got to realize that God is not going to leave me or abandon me or forsake me in the midst of this trial and even though there are things in my face that seem like they aren't moving in relation to what is in the cross in relation to what's in the distance in relation to the rapture I am moving towards heaven that's what we need to do we need to fix our eyes on something stable now one of the reasons why we have spiritual motion sickness is that we don't fix our faith and our focus on God who is stable and he will not fail us Isaiah 26 verse 3 says Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, 
whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The reason why that you're experiencing motion sickness because you've taken your eyes on that which is stable, on that which is fixed on Christ. You've not kept your mind on God. And so because of that, you are double-minded in your relationship with God. Now I want you to pay attention to something that the scripture says here as to why this person is kept in perfect peace, as to why he stays his mind on God. It says because he trusteth in thee. One of the reasons why we take our eyes off of God and put our eyes on something else is because we have lost trust in him. And the reason why we've lost trust in him, which a trust is just another word for faith, is because we were listening to some idiot telling us something that's contrary to what God had to say in his word. And because now we've lost our trust, we've lost our peace, and we've lost our stability, and we're tripping over ourselves and falling down the stairs and making havoc of our lives because we've not put our trust completely in Jesus. So, number two to deal with motion sickness. Reposition yourself to the front of the car by a window or a place that's stable. So a lot of people experience motion sickness whenever they're at the back of a vehicle, right? Or they're at a place where they can't see very well. And so what you, the best thing to do is get out of the back seat, get in the front seat where you can see clearly, where your eyes can agree with what you're sensing inside of your head, in your ear. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love earth he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You need to reposition yourself. Change your orientation towards your life. You're sitting in the back seat of the bus, Rosa Parks. It's time to get up from the seat and go to the front of the bus. Reposition yourself. Orient yourself towards heaven. You need to understand that I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And when I look from the heavens and get a heavenly perspective, all my problems look so small and look so insignificant when I compare them to the grandeur, the splendor, the might of the greatness of God. When I get a heavenly perspective. Change your position. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, if ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Change your position. Change where you're sitting. Quit sitting in the seat of the scornful and dead in the seat of the righteous. Get out, put off the garments of heaviness and put on the garments of praise and change your orientation. Quit looking at your problems and start looking at your solution from where your redemption draws nigh. Change your position. Make up your mind and put yourself fully in Jesus. Bible says in Psalm 112 verse 5, a good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. I want you to understand something about this. With motion sickness, one of the best things to do is get into a place of stability, a place where there's the least amount of motion. And what you need to do is get yourself into a position that is fixed. The scripture I just read here says that he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. When you leave this place you may get some bad news of some evil tidings that is going to try to knock you off your feet or knock you off your balance. But the word of God says his 
heart is fixed trusting in the Lord. I don't put my trust in man. I put my trust in the Lord. My, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Hallelujah. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. I put my trust on the rock of ages to stabilize me in tumultuous times, in chaos, in atrocities, or in tragedies. You've got to have a made up mind to trust God. Third thing to deal with motion sickness is that close your eyes and breathe slowly while focusing on your breathing. So here's the thing. You've got a conflict in your senses that's making you be double-minded. So one of the things to do is to try and get your senses to agree with each other. That's what the other two things were doing. Moving your position, changing your orientation of your eyes so your natural eyes will see what you're feeling in your spirit. The third thing is, if you can't do that much, then you need to close your eyes. Tell the source that's lying about the situation to shut up. Close your eyes. Stop looking through your natural eyes at the predicament that you're in and focus on Jesus alone. The Bible tells me that it says be still and know that I am God. You just need to be still. You need to sit still. Close your eyes. Remove the things that are contrary to the word of God and focus on God alone. Romans chapter 13 verse 14 says, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We go out of our way to confuse ourselves. We make preparations to introduce things that are contrary to what we just learned in Bible study or what we just heard on Sunday. We've introduced things that are contrary, that vacillate and cause our constitution, cause our foundation, cause our stability to vary and to shake and to tremble. But no, we must eliminate everything that is contrary to thus saith the Lord. And that goes with even some relationships. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness? With unrighteousness, you have hooked up with somebody that's going the opposite direction and it's throwing you off balance. You need to cut them off. Separate yourself. The Bible says it goes on. And what communion have light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. And be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Double-mindedness, conflict of senses, giving us different information. And we got to choose which one are we going to believe. So, that's one thing I just, now I'm going to use a different example about why we have a double mind. Another physical analogy, another thing that causes dizziness. And this thing is called Vertigo. Vertigo is a dizziness where the room or the environment is rotating. It's spinning around. And if you've ever, you know, ridden a merry-go-round, you're familiar with this sensation. You get on the merry-go-round, you know, you push the thing as fast as you can, and you're just hanging off, you know, <laughs> just twirling around, spinning around, and then you get off of the thing, and then you're walking around like this, and you can't orient yourself. And it seems like the room is still spinning. 
So you're, you have stopped moving. You're no longer moving. You're stationary. But your brain thinks that you're still in motion. And the reason why is because of that inner ear thing again. So remember I said in the inner ear, in these three canals, there's fluid that's there. So when you're spinning around, the fluid is moving around. It's spinning also in your ear. So let's say you stop suddenly because of inertia and because of the momentum of the, of the motion. Even though you have stopped, the fluid is still moving in your ear. Making you think that the room is spinning when even though you're stationary. So even though our environment has stopped moving, our inner ears still believe that there is motion. And in a similar fashion, people suffer from a spiritual type of vertigo. Even though God has delivered you out of a situation, the motion has stopped. There's something inside of you that is telling you that I'm still in this situation. And because of that, you have conflicts of sensory uh, input and you're thinking that you're moving when you're not. What do I mean by that? God has saved you. God has set you free, but there's still something in you that says, I'm still a sinner. There's still something in you from your past, perhaps, or a trauma or whatever, that's still telling you that you've not changed or that you're stuck with this particular thing, that you're still in that environment. A good example of this is looking at the children of Israel. God delivered them out of slavery and out of bondage, but because of their bad thinking, they kept behaving as if they were still slaves. They kept talking about their bondage, kept talking about going back to Egypt, going back to their slavery, even though God has changed their environment. And you might be sitting in this church right now, and you've heard the word of God taught that says God loves you, and God has forgiven you, and God is with you, and God has not abandoned you. But there's still something internally that says, no, I'm alone, and I cannot make it. Something whispering in your ear, giving you a sense that God has forsaken you and has abandoned you. The Bible says in 1 John 3.18, my little children children let us not love in word neither in tongue but in deed and in truth and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him for if our heart condemn us God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Sometimes you got to ignore the way that you feel. Well, I don't feel forgiven. Or I don't feel holy. Or I don't feel anointed. Or I don't feel righteous. Or I don't feel whatever. And you feel this way. And something inside is telling you that something is wrong. But you need to ignore that and listen to what God has said. If God's, the word of God says that if we confess our faults to him, he is faithful and just and faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's first John 1 9. He's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The Bible says that as far as the east is to the west, so far have he removed our transgressions from us. And you're beating yourself up, trying to get holy, trying to feel forgiven, trying to feel loved, trying to feel appreciated because of this internal inner ear issue. This inner ear thing can also be, uh, occur, this vertical thing can also happen because of an infection. If you get an infection in your inner ear, it causes what's called the, the vestibular nerve to send signals to your brain to tell you that you're moving or that you're oriented funny, even though nothing's there. It's called vestibular neuritis. It's when the nerve gets inflamed because of an infection. It swells, and so it starts sending signals to the brain that says you're, you're left or you're right or you're up and down or you're whatever. And it's sending false 
information telling you all this bad stuff, telling your brain the wrong thing. And so you're, you're unstable. You have no type of stability. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of, of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You've got to go back to the Word. You cannot go by your emotions. You cannot go by your feelings. You cannot go by your natural senses. You've got to go back on the Word of God. Back to the Word of God. Back to the Word of God. Are we going to make up our mind to believe God? Are we going to be double-minded and unstable in all our ways? The reason why we're, we're falling, we're tripping over ourselves. We seem to have no balance in our lives. We have excess in all these different areas. Is because at some juncture, we have an inner ear problem. We've been listening to the wrong things. Someone has said that you're a failure. Someone has said that you're hopeless. Someone has said that there's no way out. Instead, we need to go to those scriptures. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We have to go back to the word because that is our, our reference point for us to know which way is up and which way is down. And that's why the world is in such disarray and in such chaos is because they have forsaken the word of God. The whole reason we are in this mess today, why we have wickedness and sin and why we have so much tragedy is because somebody was listening to the wrong person. Eve was at the tree of the nods of good and evil. She shouldn't even been around it in the first place. Again, we, we set ourselves up to get bad information. And because Satan told her a lie, she heard something. It caused her to doubt God's word, which caused instability, which then caused her to make a bad decision and thrown us into the mess that we're in right now, which is the sin problem. We need to change what we are listening to. Now, here's how we do this. How do we deal with a double mind? Turn with me to James chapter 4, verse 4. I'm going to wrap this thing up. James chapter 4, verse 4. God is saying, I want you to make up your mind. To make a decision. I want you to choose. I don't, to make a choice in some direction. But this riding the, riding the fence and playing both sides, it ain't working with me. James 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Means you're making God your enemy. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain? The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. In other words, God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God and he wants your all. He wants your everything. And he's tired of these, this double-mindedness, this instability, this, this lack of consistency in your walk with him. He wants you to hold on to him and to commit to him. The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now look what it says here in verse 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The way to deal with a double-minded person is they need to have a pure heart. A pure heart, removing all of the competitors... Removing all of the other loyalties, the, all the other commitments. Because, because of that, you have an impure heart and you are double-minded and you will receive nothing from God. Nothing from God. Look at this. Psalm 24 verse 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? 
or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Have you ever tried to walk up a hill after, when you're dizzy? You spun around in a circle. Let's say you just got off that merry ground. The only way to get out of the playground is to go up this long hill. You'd fall down the hill. The Bible asks the question, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Right? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands, he that hath a pure heart, who have not lifted up his soul unto vanity, unto nothing. We lift up our souls unto the dumbest stuff. Things that cannot help us, things that cannot save us, things that cannot truly deliver us out of our circumstances. And we swear deceitfully unto God, not truly, sincerely meaning what we are affirming in Christ. But what God is looking for is someone to purify their hearts. God, I commit myself wholly and totally unto you. Let's stand. God wants you to have a made up mind. He wants you to make up your mind and get rid of this motion sickness and the vertigo that's causing so much instability in your life. You can't keep a job. You can't stay in a relationship. You can't seem to keep any type of sanity because you're unstable and you're moving all over the place because you have not fully made up your mind and committed yourself to Christ. The very first thing that the scripture commands us to do is to repent. Repent is a military term. It literally means to turn around, to do 180 degree about face. It doesn't mean to cry or to sob. It means to change direction. And so many of us, we do not really truly repent. And because we've not truly committed ourselves to following Jesus... And having a made up mind, we are unstable in all of our ways. And we are always constantly being met with disappointment, unanswered prayers, unfulfillment in our walk with God. Because we have not fully committed ourselves. Are you going to stand with God even though everything else is telling you to quit? Are you going to continue to believe God and to serve God even though people may abandon you? Your friends are saying you're a fool for believing in this Jesus. You're a fool for going to that church. You're a fool for trusting in God and trying to maintain your integrity. That's exactly what Job's wife said to Job. Why don't you just curse God and die and just remove your integrity? But no, Job said, I won't do it because he had a made up mind. He had a made up mind. He said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Whatever comes, I am committed totally to God. I offer you this opportunity to make up your mind. Are you tired of tripping? Tired of stumbling? Tired of falling? Tired of the inconsistency? God is challenging you today that you need to make up your mind. And the way you do that is that you fully put your trust in God. You need to end the conflict between your senses, between your flesh and your spirit. And we need to make the two agree that Jesus is Lord. One day, everybody's going to see it. They don't see it now. The scripture said that every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. So we might as well do it now. Why don't we orient ourselves? 
Why don't we orient ourselves in such a manner that we make God the focal point and we move towards him, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. You've been struggling in your faith and you've been wondering why it seems like I'm not getting any answers. Have you made up your mind? Have you made up your mind that I'm going to trust the word of God? I'm going to obey the word of God no matter what happens, that my faith is not in the outcome. My faith is in, the, is in God. And regardless if I get it or not, I'm still going to obey God. That's what the three Hebrew children said. They said, whether God delivers us or no, we're not bowing to you. We're not bowing to this idol, Nebuchadnezzar. Whether he delivers or not, because we know the truth. You need to convince yourself of this truth, of this gospel truth, that Jesus Christ died for your sins and was raised on the third day. And he commands you, he is offering to you to repent, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and to receive the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. But you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a choice. The choice is yours. These altars are open today. I call everyone today to a place of repentance. We need to reorient ourselves. Reorient ourselves. Reposition ourselves. Because there's so much instability. It feels like I can't seem to make another step. Otherwise I'm going to fall. Then pray as the psalmist says. Order my steps in your word. And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. That the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. God wants to order and fixate your steps so that you don't fall. So that you don't slip. But that's only going to happen if you fully have a made up mind. A made up mind. It's going to hurt. It may cost you. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat this and just say when you give your life to Jesus that you won't have any problems or issues. No, that's right. That's when issues and problems will really start. <laughs> that's when you're really going to start seeing some drama and seeing some issues because the enemy does not want you to escape the prison cell he's put you in. And he's going to do everything he can to discourage you, to make you come back. But you're going to have a make up, made up mind. I have decided to follow Jesus. Right now, all over this house, why don't we repent? Lord, we orient ourselves to you. We, we ask, oh God, forgive us of a doubled mind, of varying and vassaling, oh God. We know that, Lord Jesus, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of life, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, that, God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you are the Lord and you change not. You are the most stable thing in existence. The most st stable idea in existence is you. And we put our trust in you right now. We change, oh God. We abandon our other commitments, our other loyalties. And we put our trust in the one who's able to save and able to deliver us.